What up, folks? This is your boy, the Pittsburgh Golf Hack, and you are listening to the official podcast. I'm Garen. And I'm Rich. And you're listening to Season 2, Episode 1, The Addendum. Rich. The we, Addendum. We we made some goals, and we, we changed did. some goals. <laughs> We changed some goals. <laughs> so, Welcome to 2022, Garen. Merry second season, buddy. We've got some work to do. Yes, we do indeed. And uh, listeners, if you hung around and you're here for season two, thanks for thanks for chiming back in for another uh, another year of shenanigans here. But with a new year, Rich, comes new rules. Oh, there are new rules indeed, and these new rules are creating quite the stir. Um, Tell us about it, man. Yes, they are. So for those of you who have not heard, the USGA, which is the United States Golf Association, which is the governing body for the uh, amateur game, has instituted three new rules that will affect not only amateurs, but also pros in 2022. And those rules are officially now in effect. So I'm going to start with probably the, I guess you would say, the least controversial of the three. Um, sure. The first one is green reading books. So if you may not have seen these, you know, again, we kind of cater to the beginner golfer here. But they do make green reading books that essentially has a map on, of how the greens break at certain golf courses. And and the pros use these to their advantage pretty much now ad nauseum. Um, Absolutely. So the green reading books, the PGA you know, players have been using for a while, and and these these books are rather detailed. Um, they they really get down to almost the uh, every square foot how they break. So they're they're pretty detailed. And the USGA and PGA Tour has now implemented a new rule that will require the use of only approved yardage books that, according to the PGA, are going to be very similar to a traditional yardage book and, with respect to green details, will only have general information on the slopes and other features. So, you know, not not as many details as, as what's currently out there. And some people are of the opinion that green books have gotten to be too detailed and the pros should have to use their skills and knowledge instead of, you know, having a meticulously detailed map of the putting green. So what say you, sir, Richard? Well, so here's here's my, my take on the whole thing, right? I believe that a six-hour pro round is ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. I want to post up all day on a Sunday, especially if it's raining where I'm at, to watch a to, to watch a, a tournament, right? But your final pairing, especially if the tournament is tight, especially but if it's between the pairing that's there, is going to take forever already. Adding in Green's books, which like you said, effectively adds in every piece of slope on that green at any point where the ball might be, it's going to slow things. In my opinion, it's going to slow things down even yeah. more. Um you're going to get a read, a reread, and a reread of the reread, all three <laughs> times looking at the green, at the greens book. So, I you know these guys spend, you know, effectively their whole year right looking at 
where they're going to play, practice rounds, um, especially when, where it comes to majors. They'll go there in between uh, uh, tournaments they're playing and play these courses. So they should already know, as professionals, they should already know how the greens are breaking that, you know, on that day or, shoot, ever, really. So I personally, uh, even though I'm not a huge fan of, of the things that the USGA does, I think this is a this is a good change. Um, there's other stuff that I don't, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I think this is a change that that moves uh, that moves the game just a little quicker, makes it a little more fan friendly, especially if you're out there on the golf course um, watching these guys, and and you don't have to watch them read putts for 45 minutes before they <laughs> before they putt. So yeah, and that's I, my opinion. What, what yeah. what's, what's your call on it? No, I, I completely agree. I think that. Um, this is this is one USGA got right, um, and and I think that you know I think that you know obviously it doesn't really affect the amateurs. Now this is a local rule that could be instituted if you play in a you know in a in a competitive league or something of that nature that wants sure. to institute this local rule. But from the PGA aspect of it, you know, listen, Rich, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars to well Absolutely. some of them, maybe not all of them, but. You know, no, all get, these guys are making six figures to, to, to play golf on the tour. Yeah, they get to play the game that they love every day as their job. So, you know, right. they should have to use their, their skills and knowledge to read the greens. Now, you know, with that being said, I have no problem if, you know, a caddy and a golfer want to go out and, and use their practice rounds and take their unofficial greens book to get a feel in a lay of the land, you know, if they've never played that course or maybe they haven't played it that often, like I have no problem with that. Like, you know, go, go at it. It's part of a practice round. But then, you know, when Thursday hits and competition starts, that goes in the locker and the official book comes yep. and gets put in your bag. Absolutely. It's uh, it's just like studying for a test, right? You know, we, but we both went to, to college, you, you, you know, unless it was an open book test, uh, you were you were fed information and you were expected to retain that information, right? Yep. Uh, these guys are elite in every category. That's why they play on the PGA Tour. Um, who wouldn't expect these guys to be able to go out and look at? Okay, I am eight on, um, you know, seven from the back. I have a right to left. Okay, so I played from here three days ago i know that this is going to swing right to left pretty hard yep i mean it's it's almost a no-brainer if you if you think about it in those in those terms yeah no no i completely agree I, I i think they got it right on this one but uh moving on to the next one don't really affect a whole lot of us um but this is one of those where like i think they tried to do the right thing but at the same time they still screwed it up um but the next rule is there are new rules regarding amateur status. So as we all know, amateurs cannot currently collect money for prize money for, for matches. Um, right. So just as the NCAA adopted its name and likeness rules last year, golf's governing body is doing the same. So there are now no restrictions related to receiving expenses, keyword that we'll come back to, or using one's name, image, and likeness to promote, to promote or advertise. So effectively, amateurs can now make money off their name and likeness. Very now, cool. 
Now the key term expenses, so amateurs can now receive money to cover them without restrictions. So basically they can collect as much okay. money as they need to, to to cover expenses to come and play in a, in a tournament. Um, okay. Amateurs can now also accept prize money up to $1,000 in, keyword here, in scratch competition. So that means uh, stroke. So it can't. can't. Yep. Yeah, you see where this is going. <laughs> yep, I see. I see where this is going. And and you know what? Honestly, well, I'll let you finish. I, I have I have comments on it. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so stroke gross play is what we're talking about. You cannot right. collect prize money in a handicapped event. So absolutely. So people like me who play in a handicapped league where. You know, sure. there's a measly $200 that might be on the line that you could win. Like, that, those are the people that's going to still continue to get screwed even under these new rules. You know, you yep. cannot, still cannot collect prize money. Now, they can convert that, you know, that prize money into clubhouse credits, and you can get merch. Yep. But you can't collect yeah, cash. Yeah, that... A lot of the tournaments that I've played in do that. That they'll do, you know, you'll get if it's more than say it's a five hundred dollar pot or whatever, um, you get you get clubhouse credit. I've 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 gotten that in a couple in in a couple instances, and that's cool. Um, but you're you're spot on where they got it partially right, but not completely right because it still doesn't really cater to the true amateur playing in a handicapped event, but. There, there's far more. There's far more sway on the line for a guy that's trying to make his living as an amateur playing in mini tour events. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I guess in a way they got it, they got it right, and in a way it's, eh, <laughs> right. Yeah, but there's not. I mean, you know, you, you talk mini tours. You're mostly talking about you know pros. That, that have a, a PGA card that haven't necessarily made it on the big tour, but they're still out there making some money. Like, you know, my, my golf teacher, you know, he, you know, he still has his pro card. He's playing many tours and, you know, on, I, I'm estimating on what I've seen on Instagram, but he pulled in probably close to $70,000 last year on playing many tours. Not, not too shabby, you know, but no, like no. for an amateur, like there's not that many, many tours out there for an amateur that that pays you know any kind of money so right yeah i i don't know it's it's still it's it's still not conducive to the weekend warriors what you're trying to say yeah yeah i mean and you know i i don't i I kind of understand what they're trying to protect but at the same time i don't because there's just not enough money out there that's riding on the amateur game you know Uh, i don't i don't know but but anyways i digress and now we're going to get into the most controversial topic so rich the usga has implemented a new model local rule that is going to restrict drivers to only being 46 inches long and that's a a reduction from the current 48 inch restriction okay now before we even dive into this i'm going to start off by saying my personal opinion of this is this is what they should just call this the bryson rule yep because uh well, before you get into it, I've I've just got to get it out of the way. No one likes a two-inch reduction. Okay, let's move forward. Let's, <laughs> let's move forward. Let's move forward with that. Okay, I just had to get it out of my system. Feel, feel no, better, you're, buddy. You're, I feel 
so much better. It was it, it's it's been bubbling inside me. That's a poor choice of words. I feel better. Let's move forward. <laughs> so here's here's my thing. Uh, in the nineties, um, the USGA and courses around the around the country and around the world, to be honest, did what they needed to do to uh, tiger proof. Um, their, their, their courses, right? So, uh, you know, holes were lengthened, uh, greens were made tighter and faster. They did everything that they could possibly do to get Tiger to not run away with the field in his prime. Am I right? Yeah, I think, I think so for the most part. Um, but you know, I equate this to be the same thing. It can be, Uh, I, I can see it being the same thing. Um, there are some interesting, conversations being had out there that a lot of people including the usga and pga think that they have a distance problem in golf so i'm going to tee it off to you first rich and say do you think that we have a distance problem in golf so honestly i don't i don't think there is a huge uh distance problem i think the way that the game is played has changed and it's more conducive to, to, to bomb it and spin it. Um, and, and, and let's be honest, it doesn't always work. Uh, it's, it's not a style of play. Now, if you look at strokes gained in, in um, some of the other metrics that are out there, uh, they say that this, this style of play is uh, something that's going to be uh, a thing for the the foreseeable future. However, um, you know, I I think this is just a style of play that's come into vogue. Just as just as uh, you know, we go back to Tiger. Um, Tiger brought power and athleticism into the game. Uh, traditionally, uh, prior to that, the game was a a, a very uh, I won't, I don't I don't want to say like. It, it wasn't a lazy man's game. It was just, it was more of a think your way around the golf course, hit good shots, um, you know, uh, it, be, be think your way around the golf course more so than trying to over the overpower the golf course uh, uh, physically. And, you know, nowadays, uh, being in the fairway doesn't have as much sway, strokes, strokes gained-wise, as... Um, you know, as it used to. And for those of you who are, who are new, strokes gained is a, is a, is a metric that, that has just come into, into play 2011, 2012. I can't recall, and, but yeah. I, so I remember listening to, to that gentleman on a, on a couple, on a couple, uh, different podcasts talk about it, but you know, it, it, it basically measures, uh, you know, proximity to the hole, um, and, and it, honestly a lot of the times does promote being longer uh equating into being uh, a lower scorer on the course but i don't necessarily believe that in especially in the amateurs uh in the amateurs eyes so uh that being said i don't think i don't think on the tour that there's a there's a there's a power issue i mean you've got guys who are stronger and more athletic uh than than they've ever been and i think taking two two inches off of the driver shaft isn't going to do much to take uh, yardage away from them. What's what's your take, Garen? I, I I know I just rambled for five minutes on that, but what what do you think about it? Well, so I'm gonna start off first and foremost by saying I don't think that golf has a distance problem. 
I think golf has a fundamental problem, and I'll, I'll touch on that here in just a little bit. But I do, I do see where the the PGA could be potentially concerned. So I, I dove right. in, I, jo- I dove into the shot link data on on PGA's website, and from 1980 to 2021, there is exactly a 40 yard gain in the average driving driving distance of the PGA Tour Pro. Okay. Now, I, that, so so that's fair. Before you go any further, though, I want to I want to posit this. Don't you think that a lot of that yardage would be would be gained by a 460 cc cc driver head that's, that's, in either titanium or carbon or titanium and carbon or carbon? Yep. Nope. Absolutely. That's that's where I was going to go. You know, from 1980 to cool. 2021, the technology has definitely changed, and you know, you know, let's just face it, Rich. Just like baseball, folks love the long ball, like. Absolutely, I do. Everybody loves the long ball, and everybody right now is loving seeing Bryson DeChambeau hit it. But let's 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 look at this. Bryson doesn't always win every match he plays in, and he doesn't always put himself in the best position. He doesn't win every match. No. So, like, you still have to play the complete game. You have to have a short game. You have to put yourself in position to score. And let's. Let's face it, if you're putting yourself in the rough every single day at Torrey Pines of a tournament, guess what? You ain't going to win. Well, here's here's another thing that I, that I want to bring up. So as we record this, we're in mid-February, and, and right now uh, we are the week uh, after the waste management. Uh, Bryson didn't play in the waste management for one simple fact. He's injured. Uh, he has a wrist injury and a back injury. And if 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 a guy as physically gifted as Bryson uh, is injured in those two places, uh, it leads me to believe that his swing speed is probably not amazing for his body. Um, you know, you, you you got guys like like Jack who played, you know, into well into his late fifties, early sixties on the on the Champions Tour and played healthy. Who had a silky smooth swing? You got a guy like Ernie Els who's still, I mean, out there doing it. You've got a guy who's who's an ageless wonder like Bernhard Langer, um, out there playing it. And all these guys don't have power swings. Um, you have a guy who who competes every single week and he doesn't have the distance in Jim Furyk. Um, these guys don't have power swings. Yes, you have power guys on tour. You've got Rory McIlroy. You've got Bryson DeChambeau. You've got Brooks Koepka. Um, you've, I mean, for that matter, you've got guys like Tiger who still bomb the ball. You've got guys like Dustin Johnson. Um, yeah, you have power guys, but then again, you have guys like uh, Xander Shoffley who, who just have a beautiful, well-engineered golf swing that they don't swing out of their shoes with. So... Yet again, that goes back to me, my thought process. It's not technology. It's 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 the evolution of the athlete. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, and it's interesting that you know you bring up Bryson again, which is kind of the crux of the conversation here. But you know, let, let me back up one more step. So keep in mind, folks, that this is a model local rule, which means PGA doesn't have to adopt it. This was a USGA yep. rule. Now, if you want my personal opinion, 
I think that the PGA chickened out on this one. Okay, they didn't want to address the problem with Bryson. Yep. So they went to the little stepbrother USGA and said, hey, we don't know how to deal with this. Could you create a local rule so that we can adopt it and make us not look like the bad guys? So that is exactly what happened. So days before, well, actually months leading up to this, Phil had actually tweeted out, this was like in August of last year, that he had caught word that the USGA was soon rolling back the driver lengths to 46 inches. Now keep in mind, Phil has been playing, he actually won the PGA Championship last year with a 47 and a half inch driver. So this affects him. And, and Phil basically said this is pathetic. First of all, it promotes a shorter, more violent swing, which is going to make people more injury prone. It doesn't allow for the length of the arc to create speed. And during our first golf boom in 40 years, our amateur governing body is basically trying to kill it. So I, I mean, he, he's not wrong, Garen. He's no, not. He's no. not wrong. No, and, and the interesting thing is, you know, this... You know, they finally came out in October that they were releasing the new model local rule. And, you know, Phil responds basically a comment stating that, you know, stupid is as stupid does. You know, are the are the amateurs that are trying their best to govern the professional game the stupid ones or we the pros for letting them? And the very next day the PGA announces that it's adopting it. And none of the players, I mean, Phil... Phil tweeted out, a lot of the other players, none of them had any clue that the PGA was adopting this. Completely blindsided. Uh, I think Phil may have poked the bear as well. I mean, Bryson made some comments as well, uh, but Bryson Bryson basically said, you know, um, the longest drive of my year, and I'm paraphrasing here, the longest drive of uh, of the year last year, I hit it with a 46-inch driver. So this affects me none. Um, now, now Bryson does swing a 47 and a half inch driver now, but, uh, when he drove the ball, what was it? 383 or whatever it was, uh, in, in a tournament last year, he was swinging a 46 inch driver. So, so um, it, he's actually swinging less than that. So they interviewed Bryson and I actually have the, the quote here that he quoted CBS whenever they announced that they were making the new model local rule. And here's what Bryson had to say. From my perspective, I think it suits me well because right now I'm playing a 45-and-a-half-inch driver. Suits me perfectly <laughs> fine. He said, I, I'm not going to 48. He's, he had a long discussion with him that he said, hey, I tried 48 and it just didn't work out for me. He said, you know, I'm not playing a 48-inch right now. I'm playing a 45-and-a-half-inch driver. So have at it, boys. I mean – you know they're if they're i will say this if the usj and ga and the pga wanted to kill distance uh on tour i I, i'm not looking to driver length if you and this is just one guy's opinion and i think you and i have talked about this offline before you want my opinion you better start looking at the golf ball see i'm i'm not even going there I mean, they they can okay. They they can restrict the golf ball if they want to. That that's perfectly fine. You know, you know, lock it in where it is now, so the golf ball manufacturers can't make it longer for the the tour pro player. But right. here's here here's where I think 
And, and Phil made a comment to this when, when he found out that essentially that they were adopting the rule. You know, he said it's extremely disappointing to find out that the tour is adopting this rule. And he goes on to say that, you know, I do know that many are wondering that there's got to be a better way. And, and I'm in that camp, Rich. I don't think, you know, the, the USGA and PGA are complaining that, oh, you know, we have this sustainability goal. We, we want to be environmentally friendly. And if the game keeps getting longer, we're going to have to make 8,000-yard golf courses. Well, no, you don't. So that's no, where don't. the first misconception is. Like, you don't need more tee boxes. You don't need to lengthen the course. You need to make these golfers play strategy. How many times when we're playing from the white tees and we hit a 250, 260-yard shot, what's sitting on each side of the fairway waiting on us? That's going to be a bunker. Exactly. Or trees or a roof. What, what is at the... 300 320 yard mark for a pro player nothing 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 that's why they hit it so long if you want to look at the problem how about you look at the way that you're setting up your courses like you don't need to create more bunkers you don't need to create more tee boxes you don't need to lengthen the fairways strategize where you have your hazards in place like you know just if you're that worried about it, let the grass grow a foot tall in those areas. I mean, yeah. there's yeah. an idea. It costs you nothing. Fescue. It yeah. costs you fescue seed. That's it. That's, yeah. that's what it costs you. Put, put, put thick fescue in there. Um, make the rough more penal everywhere you play. You don't have to make these golf courses longer. Make it, these guys are, and they've proven time and time again. These guys are shot makers, man. They can, you can lay a blanket out there, and then they can put a, put a golf ball in the middle of it. Why the hell would we would we not have them be shot makers in every sense of the word? So pick your poison. You're either going to let the guys swing away and let the crowds come in, because let's let's be honest, you're right. Everybody loves the long ball, myself included. Or if you're going to complain about it. Make these guys make shots. Yeah. Make these guys make these guys put themselves in in position to make shots. Where if they hit a 330, 340 yard drive, they're in the rough. And then they have then they have to figure out how to get out and get up and down. Yeah. Plain plant, and simple. Plant plant a couple trees. Make make the fairway squeeze into the green. Like these greens are wide open with the exception of bunkers on each side, but I mean, you know, squeeze the fairway in on them like make them play let make them play if you're worried that they're going to punch and gouge it and that they're just going to let the ball spray all over the course don't let them simple as that it's it's a very it's a very easy thing for you to like you said plant trees we want to talk about trying to be environmental environmentally friendly what about planting more trees on a golf course yeah If if you want to stop these guys stop them like that Cause I don't know about you. Don't you don't have to lengthen anything. I don't know about you, but I can tell you now, a lot of the courses that were out there have cut those trees down because they say, well, it's more penal for the amateur player. We want the amateur player coming back. Well, that's great, but like if you're a PGA course, like you're making millions off of that one event. So, you know, right. P- the PGA needs to figure it out with these course owners and, and quit pinning it on the technology like the technology is not the problem the driver is not the problem the golf ball is not the problem the strategy of the golf course is the problem 
No, I'll, I'll jump. I'll jump fully on that. I'll jump fully on that. Absolutely. So, so I'm going to wrap up the rules um, with with this. If you want to hear a really really good discussion with the USGA managing director of golf equipment standards, John Spitzer. Uh, go check out the Hack It Out Golf podcast. Um, <clears throat> John Spitzer absolutely gets roasted by Lou Stagner, Mark Crossfield, and Scott Fawcett. They basically pretty much call out everything that he has to bring to the table as being BS, and, and they argue their points. He argues some pretty good points, too, about their, their stance and the data, but it is a really electric Matter of fact, I think that is in the title of the episode. But go check it out. Hack it out podcast. Um, what the interview with USGA John Spitzer. Really, really good episode. Well, well worth a listen. Absolutely. 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 So, Rich, now we get into the topic of this podcast today. The addendum. The addendum. The, the addendum. addendum. So, I personally, we'll start off with me, I personally made some pretty lofty goals at the end of 2021. Um, yeah, so what were your goals? Well, I'll tell you what, let's just you, insert the clip. Let, let's just insert Absolutely. the clip. Let's do it. Here, let, let's listen in here. You know, the handicap and getting better with driver, and the third goal is going to be, I've got to get better from 50 and in. You know, from, from 100 yards and in, I can hit the green all day. But whenever you're 50 yards and into the green, in my opinion, there should be no excuse that you're not within four feet of the hole. Absolutely. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and that has to be a big, big thing. And trust me, I got better at my chipping. If I'm five feet off the green, I'm deadly. You put a lob wedge in my hand five feet off the green, I'm deadly, but in that 50 to, you know. Those little pitch shots, little 50-yard pitches. Yep, yep, that 50 to 25, 20-yard pitch shot in. Um, I don't know what it is. It just seems to, to get me, and I've, I've got to get, you know, if I want to get those scores to drop down, I've got to focus on on that element of the short game. But uh, All right, Rich, so, you know, after hearing that, you know, we talked about putting the ball within three, four feet of the pin, <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 being upset at at ourselves because we couldn't do that. And I still think there is a lot of room to grow in that. But we had a listener reach out from the Pittsburgh area. So, listener Nathan, uh, appreciate you shouting out, bud. But Nathan reached out on Instagram and said, Hey, just listen to your Christmas episode. And one of the things I caught was a comment about hitting every 50 yard shot to about four feet within the hole. And he said, I would go and look at shot link data for the PGA tour to see how close they hit it. And he specifically recommended that me and Rich go listen to the hack it out golf podcast and the sweet spot podcast as they had a lot of really great episodes on strategy and managing expect managing expectations in which spoiler alert we did 
It's further than four feet. <laughs> we we did our homework. We, we did. We did our homework, and uh, yeah, like Rich said, it was definitely a lot further than four feet. And not four feet. And we're not pros. <laughs> we are not. So, so there's a really good episode out there. So the sweet spot. Uh, which is with John Sherman and Adam Young, two two profound, two of my favorite um, golf teachers that are out there on the market right now. Uh, they did an episode from it's on it's on there from their 2021 season, uh, September 16th. It's the episode called "Managing Expectations" series with Lou Stagner. And, and again, what a spectacular episode that was. Yep, and, and if you recall, Lou is from that Hack It Out podcast where you can hear the episode with them roasting John Spitzer. Um, but that was a really good episode that opened my eyes, Rich. So yep. we, you know, the podcast, that, that episode really dove into the PGA shot link data. And, you know, I knew the data was out there, but I've never really dove into it with any type of deep, like, analysis. Um. But it, it, they break down the averages of the PGA Tour pros right there in the shot link data on PGA.com. Like, very accessible mm-hmm. for anybody. But, yep. you know, some of the things they pointed out on their podcast was, you know, from 20 yards out, the pros, they're not hitting the ball within four feet of the pin. They're They're only actually hitting it within eight feet of the pin, and they're only doing that 50% yep. of the time. Yeah. That's yeah. that's pretty eye-opening. It's astounding is what that is. Like, you know, I think that, you know, in the, Nathan's comments, you know, is basically, you know, we do set, you know, extremely high expectations for ourselves as amateur golfers, not having a frame of reference. And Sure. And to me, that four-foot goal around the hole was, you know, attainable yeah but you know when you you go back and you look at this data you're like you're like wow like i'm really not as bad as i thought i was (laughs) total total game changer right it's it's one of those things that you look at and you see and you you come to the realization that you uh that, that that you're hitting shots and beating yourself up and getting stressed out over shots that if you look at the data, not only have you hit a good shot, you've hit a good shot in comparison to pros. Yeah. So I dove so, in. I, you know, that's huge. Yeah. I I dove into the stats, Rich, and some of the stats that I think really apply to what we were talking about were really, they kind of caught me off guard. I, I was not expecting to see some of the stats I've seen, but – you know, just looking at average fairways hit. Take take a guess at what the average fairways hit in regulation is for a PGA Tour pro. Uh, let's 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 say sixty-five percent of the time. Sixty-five percent of the time, you're you're close. You're close. Yeah, sixty-five percent. Okay. So so sixty sixty percent. That's that's the average sixty percent. Yep, that's the average fairway hit and regulation. Average wow. 
Average green in regulation. Any guess on, on how many of those are hit? Uh I would so I would say it would it would be a little worse. So let's say fifty well let's go obligatory fifty one percent. So your first your first one would have been dead on with the greens and reg. They're they're sixty five percent. Really? But Okay. You also have to figure they are usually you know, they're usually pretty close on approach versus where we're at. Um, Very true. Because, and this is a telling stat that kind of supports that, from 200 yards, take a stab at what the percentage is for the average green and reg for a tour pro. It has to drop drastically. I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drop down to that like 51, 48 to 51%. A little, little lower, 43.8. Wow. Yep. So from 200 yards out, 43.8%. Yep. Less than 50% of the time, they're hitting that green and red. Yep. So not very many people hitting a lot of greens from 200 yards out, even as a tour pro. So, right. you know, if you go back and listen to the Beth Page episode where I stuck a couple of them greens with a, fi- <laughs> with a hybrid from 200 out, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about those shots now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, it's, it's funny though, how, how we, how we grade ourselves as golfers. And then, then you, you look at the actual data and it completely changes. Yeah, no, it, it really does. And, and, you know, you just keep on going down the line here, you know, 150 yards. What, what's your percentage thought there? It's got to go up slightly. So, uh, 47%. You're, you're actually back into that 63%. But, wow. okay. but but here's the kicker. How far away from the hole do you think they are when they hit that green and reg? 150 yards out. Uh, well, I, I'm 150 yards out. They've got to be. They've got to be playing at that point. Um, let's say. Let's say 16 feet. 27 foot 8 inches. Wow, that's huge. That's giant. That's that's very very eye opening. Yeah, so so sixty three percent of the time they're hitting the green, and of those sixty three percent, they're on average twenty seven foot out. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Exactly. <laughs> um, Sex Panther by Odeon. Uh, hundred yards out, goes up a little bit for the uh, the percentage there. You're looking at about seventy eight percent. Okay. And I believe. Actually, where did it go here? Yeah, you're still on average. Your average proximity to the hole is somewhere around that 18 foot. Okay. So, you know, from 100 yards, they're they're still potentially somewhere around that 18 foot range. Um, So Adam Young made a a comment. I want to stop you real quick. Adam Young made a comment in uh, in the sweet spot that 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 really keyed for me uh, around some of this they so they were talking about uh it, it was the, the 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 managing expectations episode and what golf on tv has has done to the average golfer is created an expectation for us uh that we should be firing darts at the pin right yeah and where where you know realistically 
go and look at the guys who are struggling to make the cut or go home on Friday. Go look at their greens and reg. Go look at their proximity to the hole. Um, go look at their strokes game versus strokes lost. I bet the game completely turns around and changes and skews toward us and the game that we play, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because they don't show you all those bad shots on TV. They only show you the ones that are good. No. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, it, it's just like anything. You know, the media skews everything. But, you know, it, in the game of golf, they have done that with the PGA. I mean, all you see on TV are the good shots. But, you know, you and I, we've, we've been fortunate enough to get to go to some of those PGA events and – you know, they're not all perfect shots. They, there are some, No. you know, there are some that would hit it just as bad. I've seen some guys top a ball, you know, it's, yep. it happens. Yeah. Duff a chip. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, uh, PGA has a, uh, a hashtag on, on Instagram that they use very often. It's hashtag golf is hard. And you know what? Golf is hard. <laughs> yeah. So golf is very hard. So the most telling stat for me is there, there's the two last stats i'm going to quote for you when you are within 10 to 20 yards off the green chipping up take, take a yep. stab at what the average distance away from the hole is on those 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 chip approach shots from 10 to 20 yards i've got to i'm gonna say within six feet seven I mean that that makes I mean it's more it, it, obviously but I mean, no it's it's just crazy that it's more it's crazy that it's more than a, than a six foot putt uh, you know when when I mean think about how you know those of you out there think about how how short of a distance ten yards is in your mind in my mind I should be I should be snuggling that thing right up next to the hole right yep it's it's, not. it's not the, the case. Pros aren't. And, and, and the last nope. stat here, less than 10 yards off the green is when you finally get within four feet. Less than 10 yards off the green, wow. those approach shots are three foot eight from the hole. That's the average. Right. In, in, incredible. Um, and, and our expectations were 50 yards. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, given, given a review of all this, my expect. what are you doing there? Puff, puff, give or what? <laughs> No, that was a that was a like, oh, that's that's it's pretty it's pretty surprising. We we've got to we've got to change. Thus the addendum. Yep. Um, the expectation has to change, man. Yep. My my expectation has completely changed, which is why I am addending my original goal. So cool. My new goal for the year is to improve my ball strike. To ground ratio to improve my club path and to improve my face angle those are attainable goals they're measurable and those are things that Absolutely. i can actually affect those those are my new goals cool I, I i think those are those are absolutely attainable goals um and to for me um I still, I, I still uh, am uh, hard pressed on improving my proximity to to the hole within reason. 
uh, and to um, alleviate and minimize, not get rid of, because it's not going to go away in one year, alleviate and minimize my early extension. Fair enough. All, all things measurable, right? So all things measurable. You had one more item, Rich. So I had an addendum, and you kind of had an addendum that ended up affecting both of us. Um, <laughs> was not where I was expecting yeah. to go first of the year. <laughs> no. Um, well, so uh, my addendum is, you guys, you guys heard me talk about at the end of the Christmas episode that I would be starting fit for golf, uh, with, uh, if, you got, if everyone listens to the, uh, yeah, if everyone listens to the chasing scratch podcast, they call him Irish Mike. His name is Mike Carroll. Um, very capable, very, uh, very great, uh, golf fitness instructor out there and a newly scratch player this year. He's a, uh, he's into the pluses. Uh, good for you, Irish Mike. Um, but I had planned on starting, uh, Irish, Irish Mike's program. Um, talked to Mike on Instagram back and forth for a few days and had made the decision to go ahead and purchase the, 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 the app and, and the program. And right before it happened, uh, um, we, we had a, uh, unexpected a, a little listener. bit of a surprise, didn't we, Gary? An yeah. unexpected listener. Big shout out to Doctor Nate Garrett. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you take the rest, man. Uh, it, let's let's finish out my addendum. So we had an unexpected listener, Doctor Nate, uh, who is from Romesburg Physical Therapy in Washington, PA. Uh, Doctor Nate is a level one TPI certified golf fitness instructor. He's also a level two medical TPI certified instructor. Um. And for those of you that do not know what TPI stands for, that is the Titleist Performance Institute, which is pretty much, it. Mike Carroll is the same thing, fit for golf. So, you know, yep. if, you, if you're not in the Pittsburgh area and you're still looking for someone to do a golf fitness evaluation on you, you got, you got Mike Carroll that you can re- rely on. Um, There's, there, there are TPI instructors all around the country. Oh, yeah. I think, I can't remember what the number is. I can't remember if it's, a hundred thousand or how many thousands of, of TPI instructors they have across the country. But yeah, they essentially title us certifies instructors around the country to perform golf fitness evaluations. And with those evaluations, they issue customized fitness plans tailored to target the weaknesses in individuals, golf swings. So yes, essentially we have our own Irish Mike. We, we have Dr. Nate who has reached out to us. And we will be bringing you our TPI assessment from Dr. Nate uh, live from location. We, we've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of recordings that we've done. We've got a little bit of uh, com- content from Dr. Nate, uh, who's going to tell you a little bit about the TPI assessments. And, uh, yeah, well, hopefully you all will enjoy it. And if it's something that sounds like it might fit your game, you know, you may want to give it a try yourself. With that, we're going to leave you in suspense for the next episode. And next episode, we're just going to entirely cover our visit with Dr. Nate. So I hope you all look forward to that. Uh, With all that being said, folks, until the next time, you all get out and hit them straight and keep on hacking.
Thanks for tuning in today, folks. If you like the Pittsburgh Golf Hack Podcast, make sure that you follow and subscribe. That way you'll be in the know anytime any episodes are released. You can also follow the Pittsburgh Golf Hack on Facebook and under the YouTube channel under the Pittsburgh Golf Hack name. You can also follow on Instagram and Twitter at PGH Golf Hack. Credits for the show and any other shenanigans you want to know about this podcast are in the show notes. And make sure that you tune in for the next episode. I got more stuff coming your way soon.